Hello and welcome to the GCU Law Podcast. I'm Issa Mahmood, Media Manager with the Law Clinic, and this podcast is an interview with Naima Sajid, a founding member of SEMLA, the Scottish Ethnic Minorities Lawyers Association. And today we will be talking to Naima about her career in law, her work with SEMLA, and advice to young law students about their future. Thank you very much for joining us today for the GCU Law Podcast. For the listeners, my name's Sinead Stevenson-McCabe and I am a lecturer in law and solicitor. And I'm here today with Issa Mahmood, who is our media manager for our law clinic. And we're joined by the wonderful guest, Naima Sajid. So over to you, Issa. Thanks, Sinead. So today we have Naima Sajid, who is a founding member of SEMLA, the Scottish Ethnic Minorities Law Association. Um, and today we're just going to talk about her own work. Um, her own career and the work she's been doing at SEMLA. Um, so without further ado, um, I'd just like to introduce Naima. And for those who don't know your career story, Naima, could you just give a wee introduction um, about how you got into law? Um, because I know your story is much, much different than what people would consider the normal route into law. Yeah. Well, firstly, thank you for inviting me. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to be talking to you both and reaching out to students in this very unconventional difficult times so it's good to be able to speak to you um i guess speaking um about my journey in law i guess to start with it's how i i decided to study law and if you were to ask me to describe that in a few words i'd probably say unconventional complicated but interesting so why unconventional because unlike the majority of solicitors in my age range I didn't go straight from school to university and then straight to a traineeship. To explain, I left school at the age of 17 and I got married. Now that in itself is is conventional. If you think of me as a Muslim Pakistani girl, you know, in the 80s, that that was a done thing. You got married young and that was it. Education, career, over. Um, But... um, When I left school, I had very poor academic results. So I'd already given up to a certain degree about my future career and education. But uh, pretty much within a few weeks of being married, I realized I wanted more. And most importantly, I wanted independence for myself, both financially, so that I had the resources to have my own income, and also socially. I wanted to be out and about. It was lovely having a big family. It was lovely having lots of in-laws as well. But at the same time, there was something lacking. And having left school with no qualifications and not actually had that experience of further education, I felt I was missing out a little bit. And the idea of being at home or or helping out in the family business just didn't appeal to me. Um, It wasn't for me. So so, um, basically, that sort of set off my journey to get into uni to study law. But the difficulty I faced, and I'm sure it's uh, something that many students can relate to, and that is that I didn't have the entry requirements to go to university. So complicated is that's where that word comes in. I then had quite a complicated path to get to university, not having the hires that you needed. Um, And that was a prerequisite, of course. So I decided to study. Um, and get any entry requirements I needed. At that time, um, resetting hires was something I didn't want to do. I'd been to school, I was now married, and the idea of now resetting hires just didn't appeal to me. It didn't seem the right thing for me. So I looked at other options. 
And one of the options was to go to college. So I found um, there was an SNC in business studies being offered at college. And I thought, well, that's quite good. You know, I've got a little bit of a business background, you know, family businesses and things like that. I thought, well, that might that be interesting. So I did that for a year. I, I got good results. I passed. And within that course, was there was one module about legal studies, which I found really interesting. I then decided, what can I do after that? So I decided to do the H&D in legal studies. Now, at that time, I didn't know whether or not that would get me into university because I wasn't sure if I was then going to go on and do a law degree. So I embarked on doing the HND in legal studies. While doing that, um, I fell pregnant with my first child, my beautiful daughter. So I finished my HND, and <laughs> funnily enough, <coughs> I was sitting exams at the very last stages of pregnancy and still suffering from morning sickness. So it's, I wouldn't recommend that to everybody, okay? It's not a good option, you know. Try, try to avoid that if you can. But in any event, I passed my exams, got my HND in legal studies, and then I had this newborn baby. And I decided, right, I'd really now like to go and do the law degree. Having had a taster, um, having done the HND in legal study, it really whet my appetite. And I, that really got me thinking, yes, th this is a profession I'd like to go into. So I then applied to a, couple, a few universities. And regrettably, um, my HND was insufficient to get into Edinburgh. To study law and with a newborn baby commuting anywhere else was really not an option for me. There's, therefore the only um, you know avenue I saw was to reset my hires. So I then studied five hires with a newborn baby to get my two requirements to study law at Edinburgh. Um, I did that, I passed, got the grades I needed got accepted and that that was a big thing for me you know edinburgh university because i thought my goodness only the really really clever posh students go there what are you thinking of Naima? you're looking way beyond your capabilities <laughs> in any event i went and my, it was quite cult it was quite a quite a culture shock um by the time i got there i was 22 years old i was neither a mature student but mm. i wasn't a a new student. So I sort of fell in that gap. And, um, and at that stage, my daughter was two years old. So Freshers Week was not, a, not about socialising. <laughs> it was about just doing, getting her into nursery, getting to all the mandatory stuff I had to do, like, you know, matriculation, sign up for the lectures and the tutorials, just the basics. So I, I certainly wasn't out drinking. I mean, I wouldn't do that anyway, but that's my high on my um, priority lists. Um, so that, that's basically, and that's where things get really interesting because um, I completed my first year and passed my exams and uh, towards the end I found out I was pregnant with my second child and I then thought, okay, right, I might need to take some time out. I was, you know, heading towards the end of my pregnancy with the second child and a little bit, another little toddler. And at that time also, it was a tough time for my family um, because my husband's brother was um, diagnosed and suffering from the late stages of motor neuron disease. Very difficult. And he himself had a newborn baby. So we sort of stepped in to help care for him and to help in terms of his business and his um, very young family. 
So <laughs> pregnant with a two-year-old with other family commitments, I went to speak to my director of studies and said, you know, I might have to defer a year mm. because I'm not going to be able to do this and have all the other commitments I have. And, you know, what can, what, what, what can we do about this? <laughs> and my director of studies, uh, who was a middle-aged man, said to me, well, Naima, do you want to have a re rethink about this career you're thinking of? Maybe what you want to do is stay at home, um, be a mom and all the rest of it. And, um, and of course, to me, that being the most suitable vocation for me was, was just, you know, it didn't fit well with me at all. Yeah. So for a while, admittedly, I felt a bit sorry for myself. And I did think, right, okay, maybe, maybe this is as far as I can go. You know, stop while the, you know things are good. Um, but then I, I found that um, what he said to me turned into anger, mm -hmm. and then it turned into giving me a greater drive to prove him wrong and prove myself. And so, really, he gave me the kick, kick up my backside that I needed. And to this day, I'm actually grateful because it really gave me an inner drive that perhaps I would have been lacking otherwise. Yeah. So that is why I describe my journey into law as unconventional, yeah. complicated, but interesting, mm. because there were various hurdles, but having overcome each of those hurdles just makes you stronger and want you to do it even more. And I Absolutely. hope some of the students can recognize some of this and take something away from this, that no matter what the hurdle, if you overcome it, you will feel so much stronger and there'll be, be a, there will be an inner positivity about it, you know, um, and just, just, you know, take it off as you go along. Ride, ride the waves, take the experience. What happened then when you went back to, to university? Did you take some time out at that point and then resume? I went back and uh, I started my second year and at that stage I decided to do the ordinary degree. Mm -hmm. Two young children trying to do honours it just seemed too much for me, uh, I'll be honest. And so I decided um, I'll do the ordinary degree and see, see how I get on. And um, I was so fortunate. I had two wonderful friends when I started second year um, and uh, one also had a, a young child. So at this stage, my son would be about nine months. And I remember the librarian um, meeting her many, many years later. And she says, we remember you so well. You, you, you just come into the library, into the reserve section. I don't know, Isa, whether you know what the reserve section is, because I'm not sure how li libraries are set up now, but there used to be yeah. a reserve section, right. which was cordoned off. And these were the core books and very expensive books. So if right. you wanted to get them out, you had to get them out only for a few hours and then return them. And I would come in with... Um, my little daughter holding my hand and my son in a car seat and I'd run up old college and this was in old college in um, in Edinburgh and you'd have to go up two flights of stairs to get to the library it's concrete old-fashioned stairs and that wound up so I'd, I'd run up with one child holding my hand another child in a car seat run in and say can I just get that one book for two hours and I'll bring it right back and they'd and they were so kind they'd say Naima just you wait there with the kids we'll go and get it for you we'll get it out for you and bring it to you and then years later I bumped into one of the, one of the librarians and they said we used to just think oh my god what is that girl doing <laughs> and they said and sometimes we feel sorry for you other times we'd be like oh my god we just wish she makes it through the the semester you know <laughs> and, 
so, and so you know, it was interesting, but I had some wonderful friends who would keep me awake during lectures if I'd been up the night before with babies teething or, you know, any other problems. I'd, I'd, I'd basically stay up at night studying um, after the kids had gone to bed and then I'd go into nine o'clock lectures and fall asleep. <laughs> and then I'd go begging for lecture notes saying, guys, I fell asleep halfway through that. Can I borrow your notes? And they'd be, you know, everybody would be so helpful. They'd be so good. And, you know, I really, I really cherish. And to this day, I have great friendships from that. You know, you can form some such great friendships from the most difficult circumstances. And I'll, I'll always be grateful for them who just kept me propped, propped up, you know. It was like, yeah, I'd lean on them. Um, and wonderful and you know one of my other friends had a newborn uh, uh, child as well so we both supported each other and we look back and we think oh my god for about three years we were complete zombies you know yeah. <laughs> but we did it, we did it. so after I did my LLB I did, I, and I did the ordinary um, degree I, I realized that you know I was really quite tired with three yeah. children all the studying and so I and I was I was really tired of juggling the studying yeah. aspect of it so I decided that, you know, um, I'd quite like to work for a couple of years, get a taste for it to make some other decisions as to what I want to do thereafter. Um, I also wanted to save enough money to fund myself through the diploma. I'm, I'm really fiercely independent. Um, it's something that's been sort of hammered into me from childhood. I'm one of eight girls. And we're all very fiercely independent. It's something our father, our, our, our mother and father have really hammered into us. And so I decided I wanted to work so I could fund myself through the diploma and gain some hands-on experience, learn what it's like to, to be out there. And this is why when people, when our students ask me, Naima, we're really worried, we've done the degree, but we've not got a traineeship and, and we're going to start the diploma. I sometimes say, well, just hold your horses there. You know, maybe, maybe it's time to stop, reflect, maybe you'll get a, maybe you want to work for a while before you do your diploma that's okay there's there's not a race on that you must be you know under 22 to start your traineeship yeah. you know, there, there are great advantages to people going into doing your role yeah. at, at a later stage you bring with you life experience and maturity and resilience things that you build up gain some other skills before you go straight in to do the diploma which is a huge financial commitment and then go straight into work. It's okay. It's okay to think, okay, I might just take a wee bit of time out to gain some other skills. And that's what I did. And, and I was very fortunate. Um, I got a role as a parliamentary researcher working for the SNP. And, and that was in 1999. So I worked there for two years. And I remember, Isa, you'll find this really funny. Um, I went to the interview for the SNP. They invited me in to do an interview. And that was the first interview, formal interview I'd ever been to. I, 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 hadn't, I didn't even understand interviews at this stage. I didn't think, you know, I, I learned all about them. I did lots of research just yeah. on my own. Um, what, the, what the role would involve what, and do the SNP and what they believed in and all the rest of it, what policies they agreed with. And I did all my research in that respect. And I actually had a natural... Um, interest in politics so it's sort of, so it wasn't something the research wasn't something I found difficult or taxing um, but this was the first interview I ever went to and I and I didn't had didn't have any practical experience about interview techniques um, and I got interviewed and you know the one thing that always stand out to me is they asked me well why do you want this role and I, and I just said you know I'm just very fiercely independent as a person 
that must have been what got me the job. <laughs> and they, and and then that... I think they heard fiercely independent and were all over <laughs> it, to be honest. I, th I, think, I think that's what they probably liked. Very on brand. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that. I just thought, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I am for, I'm forever grateful for that, mm. that first job opportunity because that really opened things up for me. Um, having two years experience in parliamentary and legislative mm -hmm. research was great when you know my CV for traineeships yeah um, and you know and that's it so that's my sort of journey into work well, that's perfect I think moving on from that I think the next topic we've got is, is obviously your your involvement of creating SEMLA so how did that come about Oh, I, I think Semla, I, I must admit, it's, it's been such a whirlwind of a journey. So it's uh, three years, I think it is, that we've been formed. It's yeah. 2017 when we first sort of, we did our, our formal launch. Although mm -hmm. having said that, as a committee, we sort of got together maybe a, couple, a few months before that. And really, um, it's, Semla is like a family. I mean, that's yeah. the best way I can describe it. And if you were to speak to my, the co-founders and the other committee members, I think they'd, they'd agree with that. Um, the, we, we sort of, uh, I mean, it was always something that we talked about, you know, you know, th there is a need for something like this, mm -hmm. there's a yeah. need for an organization who's going to promote diversity in the legal profession. Um, so that, I mean, that's the focus of SEMLA. It's very much to support ethnic minority lawyers and law students. Um, and you know, it's what, what's really wonderful is that we get so much, so much support from organizations, a range of organizations. So on the one side, it's the Law Society, on then the Faculty of Advocates, but then the Scottish government, and then um, commercial organizations, um, law, law um, firms, and the, the most recent one organization was Shell, Shell UK. Yeah. Um, they offered a wonderful vacation scheme for a couple of our members. And you know, it's, it's so good to see people embracing us and embracing our, our aims, our objectives, um, and to and, and and in a positive way, in a way that brings about a change, brings about some action, something that we can pin on to what we're doing to make it uh, make it real, uh, and get something out of it. Um, so yeah, wow. I mean, I, I must admit, the last few years with Semla has, has been it's been really, for me, it's been quite life changing because of how much I've learned. I think the, 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 the day I find I'm not learning is going to be very, very sad because that's what life's all about. It's about learning, being able to pass on then what you've learned, your your learning to some, someone else, you know. And I think in the legal profession, we, we can historically be quite guarded with that. Oh, no, I mustn't let anybody else know what I know because then I won't have yeah. that individuality. Yeah. I won't have that power. I must protect it and keep it. But, I mean, if you think about education, that's not what education is about. Yeah. Education is about sharing. It's about um, the knowledge growing, going out, you know. I mean, you wouldn't do that as a parent. You wouldn't want that for your child. Mm. You know, you want to educate your child. So why is it that in the legal profession we're guarded about yeah. our knowledge? Why not share it? And so um, it's absolutely amazing the you know, the, the support we've had. And, you know, I just hope we keep growing. Um, and the other committee members, they're absolutely wonderful. There's no power struggle, um, you know, and we all just give up our spare time. We, we've no funding, we've no resources, we've no premises, nothing. We just slow quietly in the background when we have some spare time, we work away at organizing events, events that people can come together, um, meet other people, events where we can get um, work experience opportunities organized, 
where we can get people in to do maybe a, a, a you know shadow other solicitors and things like that and hopefully in the near future what we, what we would really like to do is come into universities um, and get more direct contact with students. It's difficult just now with the current climate, but things will slowly improve and we could do it. And now, of course, we do everything online these days. So what's to say we can't do some sort of, um, you know, introduction to SEMLA or introduction to, for, for the freshers and for yeah. other students, students going into the diploma who might just be thinking, I could really do with a bit of support. You know? Absolutely. Is there any more questions? Um, I think it was just going to go back, um, just kind of on general advice, because I know uh, we're talking about, you know, taking maybe a year out, um, maybe doing some work, um, doing an internship somewhere uh, before you, you know, go and do your traineeship or the diploma. Do you say going out for a year or two is better than, you know, just being on this linear route? I, I certainly found that it worked for me because I was able to gain skills, experience and knowledge that I wouldn't otherwise have had. And I think that certainly helped when it came to me making applications for traineeships. Yeah. I, I stood out. But then I was very fortunate because I got this role that was really had just been created. And yeah. so nobody else or very few people would have had that. In fact, yeah. I remember in, our, in the research unit I was in, there was about 20 of us and I was only law graduate. So even thinking about that, I, I was just very fortunate. I, had, I almost had this niche you know, that I was able to tap into. But if you were to ask me, and I thought about this, if you were to ask me three pieces of advice to any law student, my advice would be this. One, that there is no substitution for hard work. Um, roll up your sleeves and really go for it. Give it 100%. Now, I say this for two reasons. Firstly, it's good preparation for the journey ahead when it comes to you building up a successful career. Because the hard work doesn't just stop once you've done your degree, once you've got your diploma and once you're qualified. If you want to keep you know, meeting your next goal, you're going to have to continue that. So it's good preparation, good practice for that. Secondly, there's no better high than knowing that you did it, that this is down to your hard work. The self-satisfaction you get from that it's so rewarding in itself. I mean, you'll get financial rewards later, that's fine. But the reward of self-satisfaction in itself is, is really what you should aim to do. That's, that's what I found was really rewarding for me. My second advice, and this is advice I've given to you, I think, <laughs> a few times, is be persistent. Don't give up. No matter how many hurdles come your way, um, yeah, there'll be times where you wither, There'll be times, you, you know, that you're really tired of the endless applications and the, the rejections that come as well. But it's only the one role you need to, to open that door, you know, and don't underestimate that every application you do, you will learn something from it and you will improve from it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm improving. Yeah, and I, I, my career is not yet at an end and I'm still learning, I'm still improving. So don't forget that every application is a learning process in itself. And my last piece of advice would be maintain your momentum. You know, allow, and you need that so that you can work hard and have the persistence and the resilience you need in this career. Seek out mentors or role models to help support and guide you to keep that momentum going. Uh, and there's lots, lots of people out there who will help you. There are lots of organisations, the Law Society, for example, they have a mentoring scheme. Uh, I'm sure the Faculty of Advocate have something similar too. Um, but there's other organisations like, like we've spoken about, the Glass Network, Women in Law, SEMLA, all these organisations and universities. 
I mean, you have social groups within universities, you've got the university career. I mean, in my time, it was a career advisory um, service, but there's probably other things since that, considering the fact that I'd, I was at university a quarter of a century ago, I'm sure there's many <laughs> other forms now of, of informal mentoring even. And I, I would, the other thing I would say is, don't forget your own circle of contacts, your family, your friends, your fe fellow students. You know, you can create your own support network, your own mentors. I mean, Isa, you could be a mentor for someone else. And likewise, they can mentor you. There'll be, there'll be gaps in your knowledge. There'll be skills that you might not have that you can gain from someone else supporting you. And likewise, you can support them back. You know, and, and again, I go back to my uni days where I had, you know, these wonderful friends who used to help me when, when I'd fall asleep in lectures and I needed lecture notes. You know, don't underestimate the, the support you can get from your fellow students. There's always something you can teach someone and something you can learn from others. No, that's all yeah. great advice. Such good advice, Naima. Thank you. I think that's a perfect place to end it off. Thank you, Naima. Thank you to Naima for joining us today. You can find Naima and all the colleagues at Semla at semla.org.uk. That's semla.org.uk. And also be sure to follow their Twitter, which is Semla Law. That's S E M L A L A W. And lastly, thank you for listening to the GCU Law Podcast.